Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Technicari, a Texan podcast. My name is Valentine Mohamba. I'm the editor at Texan. And um, today is yet another one of those um, occasions where we have a guest. And in this case, I have three guests. I have uh, Shian Samson Muripo. I'm sure all of you at this point already know of him. Uh, Africa's first karate world champion. I'm also joined by Tafatso Miyaradzi from Ya Content. Um, the, the company we'll get into a little bit uh, later on. And Farah Mangwende, who's from First, First Mutual Holdings. How are you doing, everyone? We're good. We're good. Thanks, Valentine. We're good. Thank, thank you for the opportunity, Valentine. Thank, thank you for you having so us. Welcome. So we're all here, all gathered here to discuss a docuseries that was done on Shian Samson Maripo about his journey and his life. So part one is out on your content and I will send, I'll put the link in the description for, for you guys to check it out. Um, on, on like, just as a slight spoiler, uh, and I'll speak just on the production value is it's, it's like, it was value for time uh, in terms of easy on the eyes and the storytelling is great. Um, so since the subject matter is here, we're thankful to have him, Shian Maribo. Um, mm-hmm. I want to start off with basically your story because your CV is extensive. <laughs> I think extensive is an understatement in terms of accomplishments. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you are now fifth dan, um, Kyokushin black belt. Yes, sir. Right, and for most Zimbabweans, we don't understand ranking and and you know how you know the the Kyokushin world works. Can you just give us a brief description on the title of Shihan, you know, black belt fifth dan. Um, and, you know, your position in, in, in uh, Kyokushin in Zimbabwe? Uh, fifth, uh, I'm Samson Moribo Shian, uh, fifth Dan. Uh, the ranks in karate, uh, in Kyokushin karate, uh, you train the first three to five years to obtain first black belt. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you spend like two years uh, plus to obtain second Dan. You spend three years or more to obtain third done, uh, a process where you are uh, one is a t- uh, is a tested uh, physically and mentally. Uh, then from third done to fourth done, you spend more than four years. Uh, then from fourth done to fifth done, you spend more than five years. Uh, so to be at my level, it would take the minimum of 17 years. Of continuous training. Seventeen so, years of continuous training. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like quite a lot. Yeah, so I'm uh, the branch chief of Zimbabwe Association Karate and affiliate to Zimbabwe Karate Union. Alright. Um. So, Kyokushin is something that people well colloquially termed as karate. Um. But it's not just physical endurance, as you alluded to. It's also mental endurance. So can you give us a bit of a backstory uh, on how a young man from Shimanimani then rose to the top of, you know, a uh, respective discipline, becoming the first African uh, world champion? Uh, from my understanding, uh, it took an unvanquishable passion uh, towards uh, a goal uh, to proclaim. Well, I was very young. Uh, I was around 15 years in Shimanimani. And I said, when I complete my uh, ordinary uh, education in Chmanman, I will pursue uh, for karate uh, in the best, uh, uh, in one of the best in the country. And my brother, uh, Gift Mulba, assisted me to look for that. Uh, so, I, I, as I said, it's an unparalleled 
commitment uh, and uh, to towards an unvanquishable uh, passion towards uh, one's goal. So from from inception, let's say when you started up when you were younger, um, what was the inspiration? Because most people, you know, note, oh no, I saw this person doing this. Uh, in, in my example, I was a big fan of Christopher uh, Christopher Hitchens, who was a, a, a journalist back in the day, which then led me here. So, who was your, you know, motivating factor to, to pushing you to, you know, strive through, you know, nearly two decades, as you said, to get to the position where you're at now? Uh, I like the fighting uh, from tender age. Uh, whenever there was uh, <laughs> fighting, I would rush there and see. So, I think that was the grooming of. Of, of uh, a spirit in me, uh, just like how the Samson of the old in the Bible yeah. was being trained, uh, facing a lion, it is it without even knowing. So is David <laughs> wrestling with the lion while he's heading a ship, uh, his ship. So uh, it wasn't an easy trip uh, journey as well, uh, but. Um, because of that spirit in me, which he loved fighting, it took me to. Uh, it. it uh, I, I. I. I thank the authorities of Ndima Government School. Uh, but then uh, our teachers. Uh, at first, I was like a soccer player. Okay. So uh, yeah. So uh, we had the soccer club at the school, like uh, during school school uh, sports day, like the Wednesdays. Uh, we had soccer club and I was in soccer club. There was no karate. So the school authorities complained and said, no, the soccer club is destroying the uh, kit for the school team. So please uh, remove that uh, club and look for, for another. So our teachers, uh, we had almost like five teachers from Cuba who trained in Cuba. Uh, they were good. They were good in sport. So they introduced what they called the Zaga Zimbabwe Amanga Gymnastic Association. We were taught gymnastics, uh, aerobics, and karate. So that's when <laughs> I was uh, introduced into this uh, in, into this chain of martial arts. Interesting. You said that you liked fighting, but going down the path of Kyokushin and karate, it's it's discipline more than anything else. It's not just exhibiting the skills to fight. You have to show yeah. mental discipline and restraint. Yeah. Uh, everyone is a fighter to bring food on the table. It means mm. you fought, fought with many adversaries uh, in order to have food, uh, many competitors. So uh, being a fighter does not mean uh, one is violent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, God, God cultured that gift that I had and uh, made sure that uh, I'm not involved in public fighting. I only fight in a tournament or in the dodge, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> so uh, liking fight to fight does not mean one has to be violent. Those who are violent, they don't have education about Kyokushin karate. Uh, that is true because uh, a friend of mine actually did Kyokushin when I was in high, when I was high school form one or two, and the conditioning process was so extensive. It's your body literally has to not not only become an extension of your mind um, in the fullest sense, but it also has to be hardened to a point where your pain threshold is far lower than the average individual. So how did you get to the point where I was watching one of your fights, the one in twenty nineteen on YouTube. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't last two minutes. Two minutes is, is a stretch. So how do you get to that conditioning level where, you know, you can take that kind of punishment consistently? 
uh, karate training, uh, as I said, like uh, you start with the first three years of uh, a beginner's uh, training schedule. Uh, each each level of the uh, like uh, from white belt to orange belt to blue belt to yellow to green to brown belt, you will be tested your your timbers. So, say mm. the, the founder of of Kyokushin Karate said, we have to be hard to ourselves before you can be hard to anyone. Should be hard to yourself, mm. uh, which means it's more physical and spiritual and uh, as well as mental uh, process where you have to be hard to yourself before you start uh, thinking about hitting another person. Be hard to yourself through training, hard training. Uh, so the gradings makes one stronger each time they uh, went through uh, uh, the processes. So by the first three years of consistency uh, in training, one would be a better person in life. They won't be like barbaric to any provocation. Because you would have gone through a lot of teaching. Uh, otherwise, the Kyokushin Karateka is more than I saw it. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we go through a lot of heat. Like with the other time when I was graded in Japan, and that was uh, for August 2007. They gra- I was the only one grading. Uh, they don't grade in summer because their summer is 40 degrees and so forth. Mm. So uh, my... Uh, African leader said you have to go and uh, grade in Japan. The way he was grooming me to be a world champion, uh, he's best in uh, in Cape Town. So he said he applied to Japan and said I'm sending him for grading. So there is a time when I was like in the midst of the uh, grading session uh, processes, like fighting 30 men one after another, all of them fresh. Then around 15, I said, ah, no, I think I don't want to do karate anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, losing like six kgs in the space of four hours of, okay. of, of serious chastisement. So it wasn't uh, this journey. <laughs> it's not like one can buy it. <laughs> you have to sure. go through, through the West to harden yourself. <laughs> so so it's like uh, w- when I completed that uh, which is uh, the process that made me a world champion when I graduated the third dan in 2007 mm-hmm. uh, I spent I spent 3 months in bed after that when after coming back uh it wasn't a, a job of a, of a of a process so exposure as well uh, uh taught me a lot of uh, hardship, uh, which made me a world champion. Mm. So getting to the world championship in 2009, um, the, the route wasn't easy because you had to defeat a number of, you know, very competent competitors from Kazakhstan, yeah. Germany, Australia, Japan itself, the, the, the country where Kyushin came from. So how did it feel like to to stand at the top of your discipline? being the first ever African to do it, you know, going from the experiences you had in the past up until that point? Uh, uh, the reason why I pointed to the uh, Sundan grading, which is the third Dan grading, uh, is, is the process that made me very tough. 
no one would stand uh, in front of me one-on-one -on -one after the process that I went through in Japan. Uh, when I completed that in August, the, the uh, International Karate Organization uh, president said, you are not, you are going to be a world champion wherever you're going. Mm -hmm. After seeing my, my determination, I couldn't eat for four days while it's in Japan and until I flew back to Ara. No food, I was just oozing yellow things so uh, yeah so, of, of which after that i said no i think i do i will never fight but uh, after just landing here the people took me for massages and uh, <laughs> traditional foods three days later i said no well, let's go to the mountains for training <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like a, re a revenge spirit saying no, no 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 i can't be tormented like this then they took me for some mountain training but uh, two days later that was on a saturday after landing on a wednesday the monday i was like a dead person swollen the whole about then i went into the bed for three months but after that the pain that i got in japan no one is as an individual would inflict it to me. So the 2008 gen was like gold after gold in every tournament that I was going in South Africa. Yeah. Then in Japan, after uh, uh, having participated in the semifinals, of course, <laughs> that was after beating uh, Kazaki, Spanish, Spanish uh, fellows and German. Yeah. Then I said, ah, no. Uh, then my uh, Shian said, ah, the real level that you have reached, you, uh, no one has reached it before. Mm. Uh, uh, <laughs> be strong. Then I said, ah. so I think uh, if I lose in the same final, I think it's a great uh, uh, <laughs> achievement already. But in, in the finals now, facing a Japanese, <laughs> the first 30 seconds, I thought he was going to chastise me. Then I was like, ah. This person is not doing anything. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> then it made me to cut a pound and uh, oh. it was ballistic. <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden, I'm on the top of the game. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what made me a world champion. The, uh, the pain that I got in Japan uh, in my gradings, uh, they, they made me exceptional. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, uh, to ahead of a lot of uh, regional fighters, yeah, and continental, or maybe continental fighters. Yeah, that's what made me what I am. I thank you very much, Shian Samson. I'm yeah. going to shift to uh, Tafazwa from your content, um, just to get a bit of background on on your content itself, because this is I, I'm I'm a fan of con unconventional meetings of of the minds. Um, but I haven't, I wasn't quite familiar with your content in itself and the, the production value on, on, on the docuseries for Shian Simpson Maripo was incredible. Can you give us a background on, you know, the story of, of your content and the Argo Story Initiative? Okay. Um, thank you very much, uh, uh, Valentine. And, uh, you know, I, I always marvel every time I, I hear Shian's story. I mean, I get goosebumps and hearing him say what you are saying again, just got me excited. So when you, you know, going back to your question, uh, Valentine, so we started working on the Yako Story Initiative more than two years ago. And ever since we've been iterating the concept, 
to get to uh, where we are today. So we did a couple of stories uh, in Kenya. We did a couple of stories in Ghana um, and a couple of more in other parts of the continent as well as here in Zimbabwe. And the reason why we started the Yako Story Initiative is because we believe that there are so many talented young Africans who are yet to be discovered, uncovered, unearthed, and natured. And essentially, our beliefs and guiding principles are based on finding and showcasing the diamond in the rough. So when you look at the Yako Story Initiative itself, it's therefore a collaborative undertaking which provides a unique opportunity to deliberately market, expose, promote, and obviously showcase these diamonds who would never have been um, you know, discovered otherwise. So when you look at it, uh, it's really a vehicle for identifying, nurturing, promoting, showcasing, and advancing African talent, while obviously developing skills and employment opportunities among the youth and, and women. So I think that's what I can say about the Yako Story Initiative. And as your content itself, as, as, as a business um, and a platform, um, how did you arrive at that? How did it come to fruition? Wow, that's a very uh, interesting question. So we started, in a sense, working on the Yak content platform from scratch um, in 2017. And a lot of the work that we did on the Yak content platform was we did some work in Zambia, we did some work in Zimbabwe, and we did some work in South Africa to actually build the, the, the platform itself. However, if I take you a little bit backwards um, to the years, maybe say 2014, 2013, uh, we were doing a lot of content solutions that we worked with, uh, with uh, you know, different MNOs. And we began to see and analyze what was happen- happening within the African content landscape. And we also saw the void and the deficit where uh, the story of Africa was not being um, effectively captured, um, documented, and shared from Africa's own voice, right? Mm. And also the whole fact that there was so much talent that just needed to, to get out there. I think that's one of the things that really drove us to say, look, um, we, we, we as uh, young Africans need to do something um, so that we can make um, we can make a, an impact or something that will make our continent uh, become better. So these are the things that then drove us. So it's also been quite like an interesting and torrid journey because, I mean, you are in, in technology and you know that, you know, uh, building these kind of technologies is not a walk in the park. So, yeah, I think in this sense, that's what I can say. And I, and I was curious because um, when, I, when, I, when, I, when you sent me the trailer uh, or the, the preview to it, I was I got that immediate kick in my head that we always wait for Netflix or you know HBO Max or whichever production house to do these stories for us. Um, it was refreshing to see a content platform take the initiative to be like, no, we're going to celebrate the heroes we have locally in our way, because as you know, when things are done um, externally, things get kind of you know blurred and disfigured in a lens because of their perspective. Uh, p- uh, perspective or perception. I usually use the term the the movie Black Panther as an example. That if Shian's story was done in on the Hollywood setting, I don't think we would be able to recognize it. So, what in the creative process did you go through to be able to capture the very essence of the Zimbabwean nature and the strife and the struggle of Shian's story? Wow. Okay, that's a very interesting question. So, I mean, when you look at it, uh, essentially, it's always easier to. Uh, do a story um, that you relate to, 
So mm-hmm. what do I mean by this? So I'm African, um, obviously Zimbabwean. And in the context of, for example, if we travel to Ghana, right, and mm-hmm. we want to do some, uh, some stories in Ghana, as an example, it's very easy to relate because we are African. Our context is the same, right? Mm-hmm. So it then makes it a bit, uh, you know, smoother to then be able to kind of do a story within that, that context, uh, so to speak. Um, so when you also look at the, the process that uh, we obviously went through, so obviously you, you then have to go through the pre-production process, um, then you have the actual production process and the post-production. So it's also like an excruciating journey uh, because you have to uh, get certain stuff out. So I'll give you an example. So as we had uh, actually finished uh, filming um, She and Story, we were now busy in post-production. And as we were now doing reviews um, and listening to his story so many times, we then said, you know what? There are certain elements that we need to add. And then we had to go again to, to film, mm. right? Because there were certain things that he had said, which we just wanted to, um, to fill in the blank. So I won't obviously preempt um, some of the things because um, you know, the four episodes will be out soon. Mm. So yeah, I don't know whether you know, that answers your question pretty much. It does. Uh, it, it does in, in a part because I'm still curious about the pre-production phase because uh, I was looking at, at, at some of the stills, that were, some of the shots that were taken with the drone and all that, kind of capturing um, what Zimbabwe is um, because we always we see those swooping panning shots of, of a vista or, or a landscape and that immediately brought me into the story. Um, it no longer felt foreign to me. So was that something you guys did in, in pre-production and, you know, storyboarding or was that just, you know, spontaneous in the, in the moment? So I, I must give a lot of credit to the Yak content team. Um, you know, the Yak content team is, 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 is very creative, driven, young, and also very, very tech savvy. So we do a lot of research just the way I'm so impressed by you that you've actually done your, your research on, on, on she and Samson, right? So we, we also did a lot of our research. And so a lot of the things that we did, yes, you know how it is that when you're doing something, certain things come up that make whatever you're doing better. But I must assure you that there was a lot of planning um, involved. And when you talk about the storyboard, there was a lot of things on the storyboard. And even before we started doing any filming, um, she and Samson Muribo will tell you himself that we sat down with him several times just, and just to listen to what he's saying and writing things down. And then we come back as a team, we put it together, and then we, we, we go back. And then we then said, okay, now we are ready um, to start uh, production. So I think our passion really um, is to say that we can do some of these amazing things um, that are done, you know, anywhere outside Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose it's just an issue of, you know, more budgets, uh, more opportunity. But what I can, what I also know about this having traveled to over 11 African countries is that there's so much, so much talent in Africa, so much talent. Right. And there's just that element where there's just need for that kind of opportunity. And this is where I really give credit to to Farai and 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 the first mutual holdings limited team, because when we were discussing, they quickly, um, you know, loved what we're doing and came on board. And this is what um, then is very critical because you find that collaboration is, is very, very key.
Definitely. And moving on to Farai, because, uh, you know, in content creation, budget is one of those very, very key, you know, overhanging things that scares every content creator. Because it's like, how am I going to make, you know, the or how am I going to get the resources I need to be able to to produce the content that I want? And forgive my ignorance, but this is the first time, Farai, that I have um, seen or heard of First Mutual Holdings in, in content creation. Uh, is this your first outing or, you know, I'm, I'm missing a lot here? Um, well, I guess first outing, if we're going to be specific about content creation for this particular type of uh, docu-series, uh, but um, as a group, we've been involved in supporting the arts um, through, you know, we used to have a choral music festival, um, which was sponsored by First Mutual Life before the COVID drama um, took place. We also um, sponsored Haifa uh, for two years running. Um, which was, uh, you know, really good. That was kind of like very generic as the money went towards, um, you know, supporting the the different um, art um, artists. But uh, for this particular type of um, initiative, um, it's 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 a first time for us. But um, what we liked about it, besides the fact that Tafaz was very pushy, ha ha ha, um is that um you know it, it's aligned to our pair of line which is go beyond uh you know we 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 are you know thrilled by innovation um young people doing things that make a difference to our communities and also by inspiring um you know uh content and concepts that seek to com- uh, to to connect with the communities um i'm sure you can uh, relate that uh, most stories are told from a the perspective of someone else, whether it's from the perspective of, you know, the, the, the color of someone's skin, if it's coming from Europe. So um, I think that it's important for relatability, right, to tell our stories our own way. I think there's some, I don't know whether I'm going to paraphrase it correctly, but it says that until the lion learns to hunt, um, you know, the, the, the stories will always glorify the hunter, if that makes it. I think that it, it's some old Africa proverb from somewhere in Africa. And, um, you know, this particular initiative, um, you know, was good for me. You know, the the light bulb went on in the sense that, you know what, um, this is an opportunity to create our own content and tell our own stories um, that make sense to us. So it's about relatability. It's about um, giving hope and inspiring people that, you know what, you're not defined by your circumstances, right? Um, You're defined by the effort that you put in and whatever gifting that God has given you that you can then make use of. So, yeah, I think inspiration, hope is something that's much um, needed. It's a a much needed feeling in these times that we're living in. So, yeah, Tafadzwa, I guess this was a perfect timing, really, uh, for for putting out... um, this uh, particular issue of uh, your docu series um, program. So um, I'm guessing the first was pushing this was probably part of the motivation to do it as well as um, first mutual <laughs> being part of, of the art scene for a very long time. But I want to yeah. I want to get just a picture of the initial conversation or the conversations that led to us then getting this. Um, you know, what was First Mutual Holdings' position of it? You obviously said you're excited about the story, and COVID obviously brought on a whole lot of you know pressures to push uh, Zimbabwe in different directions um, but in terms of as the conversations went on what kind of pushed the needle further and further and further for First Mission Holdings? Um, you know what um, for me it was okay initially I was a bit like hmm, all right I mean you can appreciate that we get a lot of these um, you know requests coming from different people 
but for me, I think what um, what really um, got to me was um, you know Shihan uh, Samson's journey and his achievements. Um, you know, it resonates with our go beyond, which is our uh, payoff line. And what better example of of, of going beyond than um, what he's achieved? And uh, now that I've heard that it takes at least 17 years to get to to where he's been, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm so glad that we're part of this story. Um, But also, um, we have been running a social media campaign, uh, you know, which celebrates Zimbabweans who go beyond and who excel in what they do. So this was really aligned to uh, something that we've been doing because we've been pushing the stills, just basically, you know, pushing someone, um, the Zimbabweans who go beyond, what have they done? And we celebrate them. So this was nice to actually extend the concept to a motion picture, if you will. Um, And it's also a good fit with our strategy for the brand. Uh, We value innovation endurance and um, I mean, you may not know but our, our brand has been in existence for more than 100 years I mean what speaks to endurance more than that and innovation well you know I'm head of marketing so of course I could talk about lots and lots of things but um, you know um, if, you, if you indulge me and allow me to just um, give you like one example like uh, this funeral cash plan that everyone is now selling we were actually the you know we brought that to market you know what I mean? To 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 respond to our communities, um, relatability and and meeting a need. So I think this story, when you look at um, what's happening right now, a lot of people, a lot of youth, you know, people tend to lose hope when things don't seem like they're going uh, the way they should. Like right now, kids aren't going to school, um, companies aren't doing so well. But if 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 you can connect with a story that speaks to someone who came from humble beginnings and who was able to do this, um, what it does, I think, is it, it, it magnifies, amplifies hope, which is um, something that, um, you know, that's so critical and integral in, in us as human beings. So, yeah, that's my roundabout way of saying that. It resonates with Go Beyond. <laughs> so in, 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 in keeping with going beyond are you going to be opening up to, to like other yeah, content uh, docuseries maybe partnering with other content creators because Zimbabwe has and I'm speaking as someone who's um, had interactions with a number of different people in Zimbabwe there are a lot of extraordinary people in Zimbabwe and their stories haven't mm-hmm. been told uh, will never told so if another content creator comes up or your content says um, we're doing another production how Redley's first mutual holding is going to jump onto the, um, to that Okay, look, um, it's something that we will always consider. We've started the journey. So, you know what happens in Zoom is if you start a journey, then, um, you know, your competitors jump on board and want to, you know, um, uh, 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 jump on it. So it'll be great for us to own this space, um, you know, um, uh, 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 assuming, of course, that the budgets make sense uh, to us. So if it's, because uh, normally what we do when we partner with uh, with any sponsorship that we go into or any partnership that we go into, we usually look at a three-year cycle. Um, so for us, we kind of, you know, as, as, as always with marketing and, you know, and, and, and budgets and all that, I have to account to people who say, okay, so what is your return on investment, blah, blah, blah. So besides the fact that, um, you know, we are, we're engaging with our community and putting our brand out there. For me on the brand visibility aspect, especially on the digital space, it's 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 really critical. So you know that that's a no-brainer insofar as my my return on investment. But more importantly, I think if we can carry on celebrating Zimbabweans, and if 
the, the budget makes sense and if the people that we're profiling make sense and there's relatability and it's aligned to what um, our brand um, stands for, it's definitely a conversation that um, you know, we can have and see how we can extend um, this process. Thank you very much, Farai. I want to switch back to Shian Maripo for a moment. Um, so the the one thing is um, the one saying that I've always kind of um, not lived by, but sort of admired is class is permanent. And in 2019, you became the veterans world champion. Um, or I think it was in Russia. Um, and I remember reading the the report in the Herald says uh, Maripo does it again. So basically, that part of you hasn't. You know, obviously the training the training is continuous, but the competitive edge hasn't gone away from you. Uh, karate training is a way of life. Uh, we do not stop because of challenges. Uh, so we've been keeping the ball rolling. Uh, the 2019 event uh, was a very painful one uh, because I lost my father. Uh, the day I landed in Russia, uh, two days away from the competition, and he was buried while I was uh, <laughs> participating. So uh, that one was very tough, but uh, thanks uh, to the supporters and she, and she Bas Fancenis, uh, who is based in South Africa, uh, who was leading the African team, uh, for standing by me and saying, no, this one, you have to fight for your father. <laughs> make sure you win. So he was always, he was like all over the match, <laughs> coaching me, <laughs> making sure that I don't, uh, my spirit don't doesn't uh, won't go down. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, training <laughs> is my everyday is is uh, issue. Uh, uh, if I don't train, I feel like I've uh, betrayed myself. <laughs> so that's where. Uh, the send of my victory uh, is. Uh, I'm very determined, uh, very committed uh, mm. <laughs> to train. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And like saying that your father passed away during your your, your final talk or your the, the last win that you had um, yeah. speaks a lot to the journey that you've had. So with this docu series, what what takeaways or what would you like to tell young Zimbabweans aspiring? Uh, so we're, we're traditionally in in tech and media, but we also have a lot of Zimbabweans who are entrepreneurs and, and whatnot and who draw inspiration from different points so if there was something that you could tell a young aspiring Zimbabwe regardless of what field they're in um, from your story what would that be uh, I can say that uh, they uh, they should be uh, determined people uh, when, whenever you set your mind on anything uh, please do not sleep with unfinished business of the subject that you are dealing with uh, make sure that you fight with all your heart and all your spirit. <laughs> no games, <laughs> especially when uh, in the sporting world. Like, <laughs> if if a sports person is married, it's like you should be away from your partner for, the, for before, two weeks before an event. And even after the event, you will be like an exhausted person. So if you if you want pleasure and uh, victory, those things they do not uh, work together. So <laughs> until you only celebrate after victory, not <laughs> celebrating before victory, which means your determination should be cultured in a way uh, that does not distort the <laughs> the set goals. Mm-hmm. To that, yeah. um, and the doggy series is already out. Um, 
I watched episode one and yeah, as I said, enjoy, thoroughly enjoyed it. Can't wait for the rest of it. Um, Tafazo, can you tell them where they can catch, um, you know, the the the, the follow-ons and and where they can view it in its totality and what the release dates are um, for the for the docu series? Okay, thank you very much, uh, Valentine. So uh, you can find the docu series on Ya Content. Um, so that's www dot Ya Content as in Y A K O N T E N T dot com forward slash home forward slash so that's where you you'll find them um so currently right now um part part one or episode one is is out um today the trailer for episode two is also going out and on friday the 23rd the second episode is coming out and then the next episode will also be out um on the next friday um, and then the last episode will be out, I think, on the Friday, Friday the 6th of August. Mm-hmm. So essentially what we're doing is we're releasing um, each episode uh, on a weekly basis. Oh, great. Okay, so yes, uh, and, I'll leave. Uh, Sorry, you can continue. Okay, yeah. So, uh, and I was also saying, I think there's something that you said about, you know, more stories and whatever. So we already have uh, other interesting uh, stories that we're actually going to uh, release, which are, which already have been, um, you know, which are in post-production. Oh, okay. It's in post now. That's great. So when can we expect yeah. those or an announcement of those? Don't worry. I will, I will keep you. I'll, I'll, you'll definitely be the first one. I will, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, inform. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thank you very much, Shian Samson Moripo, for your time. Um, Tafadwa, thank you. Uh, and Fadai, thank you for coming along. Uh, hopefully, uh, First Major Holdings uh, can promote, can continue to promote, I should say, um, the, the thriving art scene in Zimbabwe. Thank you. Uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, if it makes sense to the brand, we'll definitely do so. But thank you for giving us this time to chat. Thank you guys for making your time, for making time for us. Uh, and to our audience, thank you for listening. And we'll join you again, I think, very, very soon.